0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast by Southside Baptist Church in Florence, South Carolina. We exist to know God and to make Jesus known. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. And so if you have found Romans chapter 10, verse 5, would you say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to read there for us this morning, beginning in verse 5. This is Paul writing, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth. Father in heaven, this is your word for your people. Father, this morning, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds and ears to your truth? Father, would you illuminate your scripture, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit? And Father, this morning I pray, Father, that we would not simply be hearers of the word, Father, but we would be doers of the word. And so, Father, transform our hearts, transform our minds. We give you this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Approximately 150 years ago, there was a revival. And this revival occurred in Wells, and throughout church history, it's what we know as the Welsh Revival. And there was a great movement of God among the people there in Wells. And as a result of this great revival, this great movement of the power of God, the Spirit of God in the people there in Wells, there were those who were called to be missionaries, those who obeyed God in this call and who were sent from the people of Wells to go carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And out of this calling and out of this sending, there were some missionaries who went to Northeast India, believing that God had called them there to share the gospel with those who lived in these parts of the world. Choosing to go and share the gospel in Northeast India in this moment took much faith. Because the people of Northeast India We're far from God. Barbaric is probably one of the best words that could be used to describe them. Primitive in many of their understandings. They were known as headhunters. If they didn't like you, if they didn't like what you brought to them or any ideas that were brought among them, they would kill you and hang your head as a trophy. These were the people that resided in northeast India. And those who had trusted in Jesus there in Wells believed that God was calling them to go and to share the gospel in these parts of the world. And so they went. And there was much resistance. There was much pushback from these villagers in these parts of the world. But over time, and through the faithfulness of God and the obedience of his saints, there was a man who came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through his faith, his wife and his two children also came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And joyful of their salvation, they began to share what this man the God-man named Jesus had done in their very lives and the transformation that they had experienced by and through the good work of Jesus Christ, this very truth that had been brought to them by people from across the seas. And so as they began to share among the villagers what Jesus had done in their life, the chief began to get word of what they were speaking of and the chief grew angry. And that same chief called this family into the center of the village and he brought all the other villagers around and he brought this family out in front of everyone and he looked at the man and he said, I'm telling you in this moment, recant this man named Jesus and quit talking about the truth that you believe in your life and say that this is false and turn away from these ideas. And this man in this very moment looked At the chief, and he responded, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And in this moment, even among the chief's warnings, this man chose Jesus. And in this moment, the chief ordered that the two children of this man be brought forward, and arrows were stuck in their bodies, and there they died immediately because of the family's belief in Jesus. And so again, the chief looks at the man, surely knowing and believing that based upon what he have just seen, now he's got a hold on him. Now he can manipulate him into saying and doing what he wants him to do. And so again, he looks at him and he says, your wife is next. Recant this man named Jesus. And again, the man Looked at him and he said, Though none go with me, I will still follow. And in that very moment, this man's wife was stuck with an arrow and there she dropped immediately to her death. And again, the chief looked at this man and he said, You're next. We can't this. Man named Jesus put away these false ideas. And again, the man looked at the chief and he said, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. And in this moment, this man, too, was struck with an arrow and fell immediately to his Death. See, this is a harrowing example of the extreme dangers that can occur in denying oneself, taking up one's cross, and following after Jesus daily. This family, this man truly understood what that meant. They believed that God had eternally saved them. They knew that the work of Jesus had made them new creations in Christ, and they knew that there was no turning back from the eternal saving power of Jesus in their lives. They had trusted Jesus and then their lives were ripped away from this earth. And in our finite wisdom, when we hear stories such as this, we find ourselves asking questions Was this necessary? Why did this have to happen? Why would God save these people only to have them? Killed, murdered, only a few short days later. Well, there's more to the story. See, the chief witnessed the faith of this husband and wife and mom and dad and children. And in this moment, the very man who had this family murdered began to ask questions. Why? Why would anyone go to this level of extremity, of belief, if it weren't true? So he began to reason. He began to think and he began to understand that it was true. And the same Jesus that he killed this family over, is the same Jesus that plucked him out of the pits of hell and saved his life. And he, this chief, gave himself to Jesus. He became a child of God. And that same chief living among his villagers, he began to tell them about Jesus and all that they had been hearing from this family as well. And the whole village came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at stories such as this and we wonder why did this family have to die, we then look and we see how God continues to move and mobilize his gospel among the people and how God works in the lives of his people. And we begin to understand that we can't understand everything, but we have to trust God in his mission and his work. This is an incredible story of God's good work in the life of his people. This man who loved Jesus, he sacrificed everything. Sacrificed everything for Jesus. And we as the church now, we sing these very words. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. But this morning, I want us to pause for just a moment. And I want us as the church to understand the gravity, to understand what is at stake in this very moment. As Christ's followers, do we truly believe these words, no turning back, no turning back? Are we, Southside Baptist Church committed to living out the gospel with the understanding that there is no turning back. Knowing and believing that living out the gospel can in fact be immensely dangerous. While this family paid the ultimate price of sacrifice, Within this story, we truly see a progression and a process of the way in which God works among his people. See, this family, this village, does not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if first and foremost, that there weren't hearts and minds changed in wells. This village this chief, this family, their hearts and minds are not changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ at first and foremost that the hearts and minds of those who were changed in wells with the gospel of Jesus Christ hear the call of God to go and to take this good news to other people and they respond first and foremost obediently to God's call and then the church understand that this is the mission of God and the church sends them out in this mission. See, there is a process and a a progression that must take place in order for villages to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is the church as a whole obediently obeying Christ in his mission call. See, those missionaries that left from wells they were funded, commissioned, and sent by their churches. And so God is calling us together as the church this morning into a beautiful work. He's calling us to be obedient together in the mission to take the gospel to the nations. And so we learn through this story this morning and through the scriptures that we're getting ready to, to dig into that. We as a church, we are called to be missional together. We as the church, we are called to be missional together. See, Paul, who wrote this letter to Rome, he was a missionary. And Paul was funded, commissioned, and sent by the church. Paul obediently followed God wherever God called him to go. And he would go. And there was no turning back in Paul's life. And so in these verses within Romans, we truly see the heart of Paul. See, Paul finds himself in a very similar position as the man within the village. There's much at stake for Paul in these moments. Paul really begins to reveal his heart and his beliefs and his desires. See, Paul was a Jewish man. Ethnically, Paul was a Jewish man. This was his ethnic heritage. This was his nation. These were his people. And Paul knew that the Jews were God's chosen people. But if we really read Romans, beginning in chapter 1 and reading forward, we really begin to understand that the Jewish people as a whole, as a nation, did not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ and they were living their lives each and every day relying upon the law, believing that somehow the law would save them, that somehow they could accomplish in fulfilling that law through the way in which they lived their lives. And so as a nation, the Jewish people, they were far from God and Paul, being a Jewish man, a man who loved his nation, a countryman, he was heartbroken that his people did not know and believe and trust in the Christ. And so to truly understand Paul's heart, we have to go to Romans 9, chapter 3, leading up to verse or chapter 10. Look what Paul says there in Romans 9, 3. He says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. In Romans chapter 9, verse 3, Paul utters the unthinkable. Paul speaks the most dangerous thoughts that one can have. Because in this moment, what Paul is saying, God Take my salvation. Destine me for hell in order that my people might be saved. And so Paul in this moment is saying, I will cash in my eternal salvation to see my people. Come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be very real and honest with you this morning. I have never prayed that prayer. This was Paul's heart. This is what he desired. There was no turning back for Paul. Paul was willing to give up everything, even eternity with Jesus, in order that others might be saved. But he knew That this was not God's desire for his life. He knew that this was not how the gospel worked. And so within that, Paul committed to himself to what God told him does work. And that was being a missionary of the gospel. One who went and shared and told others about Jesus and pointed them to the cross and pointed them to the empty tomb and told them that that salvation was for them too. I remember my evangelism professor telling me one time, my whole class one time, listen, God in his sovereignty created everything, right? Amen? God could... Tell the world the gospel any way he wanted to. He could write it in the clouds today. He could send angels today to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in his infinite wisdom and in his sovereign power, he chose to use you and me, broken vessels, saved by the good work of Jesus, to take and share the gospel. And that's plan A. And there is no plan B. And so we, the people of God, are called to be missional together. Today, we as the church have an incredible opportunity to participate in missions together. We have the incredible opportunity to commission and send missionaries from our church to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I cannot express to you The joy that this gives me as a pastor. And if I'm being absolutely honest with you this morning, my prayer is that we do this more and more. We have five from our church, maybe more who are here with us this morning of a team of 33, I believe, that are getting ready to go to Honduras. This morning we are going to commission those who are here, and then this afternoon at 3 o'clock we're going to commission the rest of the team together. And as we seek to commission, and as we seek to grow in the understanding for us what God is calling us to do in being a missional church, I believe that Paul is telling us three truths this morning that we have to understand. Three truths that have to be a part of the fabric of who we are at Southside Baptist Church if we as a church are going to be missional together. And so here's the first thing that Paul tells us he says that missions are about Jesus, missions are about Jesus. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess saved. And so in this moment, Paul is reminding us, he is telling the Jewish people who may be reading this, there is nothing, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. And as he points to Moses within Leviticus, he is ultimately saying there, yes, you're exactly right. If the law is upheld in its absolute perfection, The law can and will save you. But there is a problem. None of us, not one of us, can uphold the laws of God to perfection. And so Paul says, we've got to put this way of thinking away. And we don't have time to unpack all of that of, of what the law means to us as believers. But go read Romans this week. I encourage you. But to understand ultimately that the law is like a mirror that shows us our sinful uh, uh, imperfections. That's what the law is in our lives. And so Paul is saying it's not a means for salvation. It's, it's a reflection tool to show you that you need to be saved. And so in this, he says we have failed in upholding to law and then he says he references Deuteronomy in which we understand that none of us need to go to heaven to get Jesus because he's already come to us And none of us need to go into the abyss to bring Jesus up because Jesus has already died and resurrected from the grave. That the work has been done and that Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit has been resurrected conquering sin and death once and for all. And he did this by coming to this earth on a ransom mission for our souls. And so Paul wants us to know and believe this morning. I want us to know and believe this morning. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. None. Every other false religion created by man in this world claims that a person has to put forth effort to climb the mountain towards their little G God. That that little G God is at the pinnacle of the peak And that in order to obtain righteousness with that God, you have to work yourself up that mountain. Listen, church, we can't put one foot on the mountain to progress towards Jesus. But God in his sovereignty sent Jesus to descend down the mountain to meet us where we are. So that we might experience salvation by and through him. And so there is no salvation apart from Jesus. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. The mouth confesses, the heart believes, shame is put away, and he is very clear that this is for everyone. There is no distinction between Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter what our bank accounts say. It doesn't matter what part of town we live in or what part of the globe that we live in. It doesn't matter what our skin colors look like. It doesn't matter if we're male or if we're female. All that matters is that we confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will be saved. It's for all people. This is the good news of the gospel and so Jesus has to be at the center of our missional efforts. And I know right now in this moment, you're kind of sitting there as the church going, well, duh. Duh, Jesus has to be at the center of our missional efforts. And I understand that most of us do not believe in this room that the law will save anyone. Anyone. And I know that most of us in this room believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. But the reason why I really impress upon this idea this morning is because I want us to to understand one of the greatest hazards that I believe exists in missions today. And it's this. Missions give us an incredible opportunity to meet the physical needs of people. And far too often, we're very interested in meeting the physical needs of people and then walking away to never utter the name of Jesus. So we as the church, in every aspect of missions, whether it be in Florence, South Carolina, whether it be in Honduras, whether it be in Africa, wherever God is leading us, we have to be mindful that Jesus is the reason for missions. This is God's call in our lives. Missions are about Jesus. Missions are also about sending and going. Paul begins to ask these rhetorical questions of how then will they call on him and whom they have not believed and how will they believe in him who they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent? How beautiful it is the feet of those who preach the good news. So what we begin to understand through these rhetorical questions is that a person cannot call upon Jesus Jesus, if he or she has not believed, and a person cannot believe if he or she has not heard, and a person cannot hear unless someone preaches, and someone cannot preach unless a person is sent. And so what we understand in this moment is that Paul is saying there are no missional efforts in this world if the church is not sending missionaries. There are no missional efforts in this world if the church is not sending missionaries. And there must be missionaries who are willing to go. There must be churches who are calling, growing, and sending missionaries. We are called to be missional together, and this is my prayer for us as Southside Baptist Church. See, these individuals that we're about to commission, yes, they are the very ones who have their bags packed, who are gonna get on an airplane, and they're going to fly and land in Honduras and be there for a week. However, Our sending them this morning is just as important as them going. Because in the moment, as we send them, we're affirming their call from God. We are affirming the mission before them. And sending them as a church, we are making a commitment to them this morning. We are committing to pray continually for God to work through them in his mighty power through their efforts, every step of the way on mission. We are committing to continually pray that souls will be saved by the perfect work of God. In sending, we are being obedient to God's call in our lives as the church. See, God has called us to send missionaries and our sending missionaries out from our body gives evidence to our belief that God's desire and wills for our church are the best in every way. And so my prayer for us as a church together is that we will always be a sending and going church. No turning back. Listen, I pray that our budget as a church always represents a church who desires to see lost soul saved. I pray our budget as a church represents a generous people who believe in sending missionaries to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And knowing and believing that this is our eternal purpose. I pray that as individuals we would be generous in our giving. Believing that every dollar we give will be used to make disciples in the name of Jesus. How will they believe if we aren't sending and going? In the time that I've been preaching this morning, statistically about 2,300 people have died all across this globe. Death is on a vicious pursuit. And every single person who breathes his or her final breath will open their eyes for all eternity, staring at Jesus and being with him for all eternity, or they will open their eyes separated from God to dwell in the pits of hell for all eternity. This is what is at risk and at stake. This is the reality. The mission is absolutely urgent. Missions are about sending and going. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So together as a church, let's be about sending. Let's be about going. Making Jesus the center of the missions. And the final thing we have to know is that missions are about trusting God for salvation. Missions are about trusting God for salvation. We see Paul's heart there at the end. He says, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask you, have they not heard? And in that moment, Paul is saying, why don't they believe, Lord? They've heard. They've heard. So why are they not believing? Then he points to the fact that not only have the Jewish people not believed, but then there's the Gentiles who have never pursued God in anything, who God in His grace and in His mercy has pursued, and they are believing the gospel of Jesus Christ and they are being saved. And Paul in this moment is a bit spiritually perplexed, he's confused as to why the Jewish people were blinded by their sin and that the Greeks, the Gentiles, are having the scales of their eyes plucked off and they're understanding and believing the truth of the gospel. And so Paul was hurting. He was in pain. He was confused. However, Paul continued to trust God. Paul recognized and believed that his role with missions had absolutely nothing to do with choosing who would and who wouldn't be saved. Paul recognized that his task given by God was to share the good news of Jesus with those who would listen. He knew that God would take care of the rest. See, this is our position within missions. We are called to share the good news of Jesus, knowing and believing that God will take care of the rest in ways that we could never imagine, think, or dream. When the villagers stood before the chief of the village, no one in that moment could understand or believe or begin to conceive what was about to happen. A murdered family would lead to a village of people being saved. See, this is unfathomable in any human mind, but in the mind of God, what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. And we can trust God in all things, even in the moments that may mean life finishes on this earth and eternity begins in heaven. Even in those moments, God is at work. God will always be faithful to do his part. That's a non-negotiable. That's not something that we have to worry about this morning. The thing that we have to worry about and question this morning is this. Will we be faithful to do ours? Will we pray? Will we give God our bank accounts? Will we give God our time? Will we be faithful to sin? Will we be faithful to go? What are we willing to give up so that others might be saved? Will we commit to praying through questions such as this? Will we commit to wrestling with God as to who it is he has called us to be as his children and where he is calling us to go? Listen, some of you may be sitting in this room this morning and you've never thought about missions one time. Let me encourage you this morning. This week, the way that you can be missional, invite someone to church. Start being missional by inviting someone to church. I make you a promise. If you bring them, Joshua and I will share the gospel with them. My prayer, too, is that we'll continue to teach each other how to share the gospel and to be bold in our faith. But until then, bring them. But this week, invite someone. Where does God have you? Where is God leading you? What is it in your life that you're clinging to white fisting that you have not given over to God that you need to release so that you can be obedient in the good work of the gospel? God is doing an incredible work among us here at Southside. I believe that with everything I have. It's God and only God. And I am marveling at his goodness and grace. And if I am honest with you right now in this very moment, my greatest fear, my greatest fear in this very moment is that we will find ourselves celebrating what God is doing among us here only to be excited and concerned about more that we can obtain within the walls of this building. See, I believe that God is growing Southside Baptist Church so that we can leverage the gospel across the globe. So my prayer in this moment is that we celebrate God, as we glorify God, as we honor God, as we thank him for what he is doing. Let us not fix our eyes on ourselves, but let us fix our eyes on the world, knowing and believing that there are lost and dying souls who need to hear the good news of Jesus. Let's join in the work of God, taking the good news of Jesus to the nations, believing that God's beautiful and perfect mission for us is that, to go and make disciples. We are called to be missional together. We are united in Christ. No turning back. No turning back. Father in heaven,